Nehemiah chapter 3 is where I'm going to be. And you don't have to turn there. If you have a Bible, that's great. If you have a phone, you want to follow along, you can. I'm not going to preach long on a verse or anything per se. I'm not going to read a lot of verses. Uh, I've got one message today uh, that I feel like God put in my heart. was praying last night more, seeking God about the sermon, what he wanted to say. And it's Nehemiah chapter 3. And if we could title the message today, I would title it next to them. So would you just turn to the person next to you and say next to them? Next to them. So I just want you to remember, walk out of here today remembering the statement next to them, next to them, next to them, next to them, next to them. So because of time today, we want to leave some time open to hang out, have some fun, some food and stuff like that. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 3. Here's my ask of you. Would you go home and read Nehemiah chapter 3 today? Everybody say yes. yes. All right, good. And uh, that means you, you held it. Now just tell God, I will read chapter 3 of Nehemiah today and then let him convict you if you don't. And um, Nehemiah chapter 3. So go, go read it. And if you can pronunciate all the names uh, your first time around, that means you're, that's great. I don't know what that means, but it just, it's not, it may not be easy to do. But go read Nehemiah chapter 3 because, and you really should do this, uh, because I'm not going to read the whole chapter today. Instead, I'm going to pick out a phrase that is mentioned all through Nehemiah chapter 3. So Nehemiah, we know, again, some context just to remind you, Nehemiah is called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the purpose of rebuilding these walls is really the people behind it. There were people who are living in insecurity. They're living in fear. Uh, people are breaking in their houses all the time. There's no safety. There's no security. There's no gates. Uh, they can't worship freely like they once did. So, and these walls around this city have crumbled. And Nehemiah is called. He goes. He starts to rebuild the wall. Last week, we talked about keep up the good work. Uh, so they put their hands to the good work, right? Do we remember this? They put their hands to the good work. And all of this is online if you have to go rewatch it or something like that. But they put their hands to the good work. And so they start to build this wall. They start stacking the bricks. Enemy comes in. The governor comes in and says, you know, y'all got to stop rebuilding. No, the king already told us we can. And so they, they start rebuilding this wall. Well, Nehemiah chapter 3 is, is one of those chapters, if you were studying Nehemiah, most people would just skim right over. You'd go, well, there's a lot of names there. What's the point of knowing the history of who built the wall? So Nehemiah chapter 3 is like the names of the people that contributed to building the wall. And so it's just an easy thing to look over. If you've ever read the first of Matthew chapter 1 or in the Gospels where it says so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, and you're like, ah, who cares? And you just go to, go to the meat, you know? And so you can skip over that. Well, if you skip over Nehemiah chapter 3, you're skipping over something very critical in the teaching of Nehemiah that I think God wants to speak into us today as a church. And it goes along with exactly what we're even doing today. So Nehemiah chapter 3, Nehemiah starts to recognize the people that he puts over different sections of the wall. And it says, for example, on verse 3, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaniah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Then it goes on to say, to say other people that were repaired, the next section, and then the next section, and the next section. But a statement that is made throughout Nehemiah chapter 3, and we find it in verse 7, it says, And next to them, repairs were made by the men from Gibeon, or the Misaph. And so it goes on to say, And next to them was this people, and next to them was this 
family and next to them was this family. And all through Nehemiah chapter 3, I underlined it in my Bible, verse 17, and next to him, and next to him, and it keeps going on. And verse 22, the repairs, next to him, and next to him. And I started thinking about the next to him, the next to him, the next to him, the next to him, the next to them, the next to them. And I was just thinking about how in faith and in life, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you need people next to you. When Nehemiah goes to build the wall, I think what is, helps us understand is it wasn't Nehemiah who built the wall by himself. It was the people next to them. It's important in life when you think about accomplishing anything significant for God, you're going to need people next to you. If you want to accomplish anything significant for God in your life, you're going to need someone next to you. One of the biggest things that I have found in my 14, 15 years of ministry that takes people out of their walk with God is they have no one next to them. People say they want to do church online. That's great. They stay at home. I get it. You know, there's a season for that. But I'm telling you, you need someone next to you in the journey with God. If you want to accomplish something great in life, you need a next to them. You need someone next to you in life to walk with you. Many people use the whole iron sharpens iron. So, you know, we sharpen one another. You can use whatever verse you want to use. But when I think about Nehemiah, the walls would have never been built if it was just Nehemiah. Nehemiah had to set up people next to one another. What's also interesting in Nehemiah chapter 3, and this is why I want you to go read it. I want you to go read it. Please go read it yourself and kind of let this digest in you a little bit. So not only was there this critical chapter 3 where you got a lot of people working next to each other, Here's what's also interesting that you'll find throughout the scripture. I think it's in verse 29, and you'll see this when you go read it later, because I know you will. It says, and next to him, and next to them, and next to them. But one of the statements that the people were placed, which is interesting, it says, above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. That's verse 28. If you're taking a little note, just write down verse 28. Pay special attention to verse 28. It says, I say, I'll say it again, above the horse gate, the priests made repairs each in front of his own house and next to them. And then it keeps going on and next to him and next to him and next to him. I mean, we read verses 29 through 32, it's a whole bunch of next to him or next to thems. What's interesting though is also about where Nehemiah placed them. So let's say we were constructing a wall. And I put each one of you next to one another. And you had next to them was this family. And next to them was this family. And next to them. What's important to note also is the positioning of where he put the people. He put many of these people across from the house of which they lived. I want you to think about this. If we were trying to construct a building, how wise is it of, uh, would it be of me to put you in front of your house? Very wise of Nehemiah. Because he knew that if he put the families or the people that are building the wall in front of the thing that they live in, they're going to make sure the wall in front of their house is strong and secure. Because if there's a weak point in the wall, you don't want it to be the one point in the wall that's in front of your house because then your, your house is going to get ransacked first. In other words, position the people in front of something that reminds them of why they're fighting, why they're building the wall. Put them, put them in front of something that matters to them. So when the men and women are maybe building this wall and they're constructing this brick all day and they're looking across the street at their house, they're reminded, we got to make sure that this piece of the wall is tight because if it's not, the enemy will come through it and get into our home. So he positions the people right in front of where they live so when they go to build the wall, it's intentional that they're reminded of what they're fighting for. It's just such a 
phenomenal leadership kind of a mentality to think about when you want to accomplish something great for God. Not only do you need someone next to one another, but you also need a unified purpose. And each person was concerned about the safety of their home, but they're also concerned about the safety of the next person. In other words, if you're just right down the road from me, you're like, man, don't make that wall weak. And you'll see through the out scripture that they would jump in and help each other out because if your wall is weak and it's close enough in proximity to my house, then they're going to get to us first. I mean, just a lot of wisdom when it comes to constructing this wall, Nehemiah chapter 3. Today, I just want you to understand the importance of working next to one another. You are not meant to walk through faith in Christ alone. You won't make it. You won't build a healthy wall thinking, I'm going to read the Bible alone. I'm going to, you know, uh, I don't need to be involved in community. That's why most churches that you see today have groups. It's not just a program. It's that we really believe in that you have to have people around you doing life together. If you don't, you won't make it long walking with Jesus. It's really, really difficult to walk with Jesus and, and do it alone. I think we all need a next to them. One of the core values that we have at Brave Church, and we've said it from day one, we put these core values in place. We've changed the wording a little bit, but for the most part, they've stayed the same. And one of them is we have fun as we do life together. We always felt like we want to be part of a church that's a community church, a church that has fun and, and does life together. And that part of that DNA comes from the church that I came out of uh, at Bridgeway, a huge church on community and running community events. A lot of people talk about, do you guys want land one day in a building? I'm like, yeah, we want land in a building, but we need enough land that we can have community events because we're big on community. We, we think this kind of stuff is important. Doing life together is important because you need someone next to you in life. Don't make the mistake in this upcoming seasons as we go into our fall season and kind of things start to, your calendars and schedules and school schedules or whatever starts to kind of get back into somewhat of normal behavior, if you would. Don't find yourself without a next to them. Don't find yourself kind of like, hey, who am I doing life with here? I talk about groups all the time and I've said it unapologetically. Our goal, our hope is we would love to see 100% of the people that attend our church involved in a group. Why? Just so we can brag about how many people are in a group? No, it has nothing to do with that. I don't get a raise because more people join groups. If I did, I'd be, you know, it'd be a whole different strategy too. I don't get a raise for that. It has nothing, it's what you get out of it. It's because I know the, the importance and the criticalness of you being a part of a community. And so make sure that when we talk about groups in the fall season in a few months, make sure you're a part of that. You may not want to lead one, but you can be a part of one. You might say, well, I can only do it once a month. Then show up once a month. It's important to have a next to them. Would everybody just say next to them? It's important to have somebody next to you. If you're going to accomplish anything significant for God, you're going to need someone next to you. Uh, part of one of the things I wanted to do today was provide a thanks. There have been certain people uh, on this journey in five years who I would say, no doubt about it, have helped us build brave, you know, have helped lay the bricks and the foundation. Some are still here. Some, some have not, are, are not still here. Uh, but... Uh, there's been critical people that have helped, if, if I was the Nehemiah, if you would, in the story, called by God to go build a church and that kind of a thing. But God has put incredible people who, who put next to me to help uh, bring this thing to fruition, if you would, and continuing today. Um, I bring up the Setup Teardown team. If you're on Setup Teardown team, would you lift your hand? I talk about you guys all the time, but I'm okay with that. Setup Teardown, okay? Uh, people, the hands in the room... Uh, you're my, you're my next to them. If I, you're the people to the right and left of me. 
And thank you. And uh, but the people who set up the church every single Sunday, you wouldn't have a church to come to if it wasn't for them. You walked in today and all the stuff is laid out for you because of a couple of people setting this thing up because you have a next to them. This thing doesn't work without a next to them. Uh, how many people have somebody over in kids ministry right now? You have someone watching your children, hopefully. Amen. Uh, <laughs> I had to get you to laugh. Make sure you're alive today. You're a little quiet. And, uh, but, uh, so, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be where we're at today without a next to them. Somebody over there building their part of the wall, pouring into our children. How many of you have seen your children just grow in their relationship with God? Anybody have a child here at Ray? Man, I've seen them growing. I see my children growing. Amen. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have that if it wasn't for a next to them. You know, someone else building a piece of the wall. Yuliana over in our first to fifth grade classroom today, right now. What is she doing? She's building a wall. Right, she's building a wall over there with with her, and I think hopefully Carissa, or hopefully she's got some help today. But um, she's building a, a wall because they're next to them, and our sound team, production team. Just think about how the church, the body of Christ, is built on and next to them. So I wanted to say today a huge thank you, thank you, set up teardown team, thank you to so many of you uh, who are are next to me in the journey of re, of building this wall, or in our context, building this church and building this community, and building the people that attend. Uh, I was looking at Facebook the other day, and I saw that 1,700 people, I think, have checked in to Brave since we, 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 we launched. That's crazy to me. And it was just like a, a thought about, all it did to me was, it wasn't anything to brag. It was just a thought of, man, how many people have come through our doors over five years? You know, and who knows what seeds were planted, or what was said, or what was, you know, and all of that. But all of that would have never been possible if it wasn't for a lot of you just being next to me. So many of you next to me, Andrews and Lynn's been part of this. Can we just celebrate Andrews and Lynn's? I don't know if Lindsay's here or not, but uh, family helped launch the church and just had them over for the night. We were praying together. Where's is Andrews in the room? Did he leave? He's like, I'm not next to you anymore. I'm done. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, but just we had him and his wife over the other day. We were praying for you. We, we met and prayed for a few hours together and we're praying for our church, praying for you. And I, I told him, I said, man, thanks for being next to me from day one. You know, just, just through it all, longevity. I heard it once said uh, in, in ministry, but just the most important element, I think, to fulfilling something great for God is people in your life who have longevity. People who will ups and downs, you know, they're not just something to extract when things are going great, but they're with you through it all. Amen. Uh, the Bible says a, a, a brother is born for a time of adversity. Am I getting the, the verse a little bit wrong? But the importance of just, you have certain people who are in your life through adversity. You need a next to them is what I'm saying. You need somebody next to you. And by the way, I can't be the next to you for all of you. Just so you know, I need you to be a next to them for somebody else. Does that make sense? We, we've got to have that for one another, one another. So just make sure you have someone next to you. When we do our ladies event, by the way, went phenomenal. We'll do our, our ladies ministry stuff. Man, go, ladies. Go, go, go. Men, you want to send them to stuff like that so you don't have to be the only next to them. Amen, all the fellas? Do you, amen. Are you confused about, well, do I say it or I don't? <laughs> Amen. I'll say, I, I need another woman, you know, to help Carissa in her life. I cannot be the only next to them. Does that make sense? You need people in your life around you to support you, to help you fulfill the things that God has called you to do in your life. You need a next to them. Make sense? And you look at the story of Nehemiah chapter three and how he critically put people next to them. Eric Chappell been in ministry for, you know, 
12 years with me, 10 plus years, you know, uh, next to them. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today without you, man. I mean, there's so many ministry things we've done, fall retreats, that no one in this room has any clue. And it's like certain stories that we have that no one else has, Eric, because we've, ha- we've been next to each other in this wall of ministry for so many years. Uh, I need a next to them. Y- you need people in your life that will surround you and be with you. Amen? You need a next to them. So my encouragement for us today is if you don't have a next to them, that's why we created today to find somebody next to you to get somebody next to you in life. Every one of you in this room is looking for a friend. No one in this room is like, nah, we're good. We've got enough great friends. You know, they're so good. What's incredible to me about friendships, by the way, is how when you get older, it's harder to find friends. I I come in contact with so many people. I have people over at our house where we'll talk or something. And so many of you that I've spoken with and and, and adults are, man, we really don't have a lot of friends. How many friends do you have? I don't have a lot of friends. As you get older, it feels like sometimes you you have a hard time, you know, having friends or meeting friends because seasons of life changes or different people move or whatever the case may be. I'm here to encourage you today. We've set the table for you today to find some friends, find some next to them. And don't just stay into the same spot, the same people, what's easy and comfortable. This is why we're doing church in this way. You got to meet new people, get to know people. So my encouragement today is that you'd also take a minute to meet some people you haven't met before. I know it's awkward. You're like, but I don't know them. What am I going to say? You walk up and you say, hey, what's your name? My name's, how long you been here? You start having a conversation. It's amazing how God will begin, through relationships and stuff like that, God will begin to grow your faith and, it's, and what God can do through a church with a lot of people who do life together. My encouragement today is you wouldn't just sit with your spouse quiet at your own little table, in your own little comfort zone, but you meet somebody new today. If anything, we got a mechanical bull, laugh at them, and then, you know, make some humor that way. I don't know. We're just trying to create space to have a next to them. Does that make sense to you? I hope that's the heart. Well, I want to do two things, and then we'll jump into the food. The first one is, like I said, there have been people who have been next to us as a staff that we want to acknowledge in the room. There's two people specifically, uh, and is Emily in the room? I don't know if she is. If she isn't, go get her. Yeah. And um, is somebody going to grab her now? Okay. So there are two people that we're going to acknowledge in the room. And these people have been instrumental to us. And they've been instrumental to you in many ways. Even if today you're just visiting or that kind of a thing. They're, they're, I just want you to know these people are instrumental here. Uh, they, are, they have built gates. And what's interesting about probably these two people, especially I think one of them, would be surprised to think, I haven't built a gate. Yeah, this person has built a, a gate for us. Well, we wanted to acknowledge something. We did something at Bridgeway. We want to bring it here to Brave. We did something years ago called Making a Difference. Just people who have made a difference in building this church. They've critical difference. And, uh, and what's interesting, by the way, as I say this, is we're waiting on Emily. But when you look at Nehemiah chapter 3, you don't see a lot of times uh, people who are uh, gifted in construction. The first people that Nehemiah says built the church were the priests. Now, if you try to get me to build the church one day, I'm telling you, we will not be on good, solid ground. You know, like the thing will crumble. Uh, what's interesting is throughout this Nehemiah chapter 3, you'll find names of all these different people. I'm convinced that some of these people weren't professionals in regards to the construction field. 
but yet God used them to do the constructing. I just want you to know, sometimes God uses people who don't think they have the giftings to do it, but through God, he equips them, he gives them the gifts and the things they need. What I'm trying to tell you is God uses ordinary people, right? It's the whole extraordinary thing, you know, that kind of a thing, where God uses just normal people, people who are willing to do something extravagant for him. And it's interesting to me how also God will often use people who feel like the least of these, right? To shame the fools of the world and that kind of a thing. The, the wise of the world, people who claim to be wise, but he'll use the people who look as the, the least, the least on the outside, those that are marginalized to do great things because God gets all the glory. It's the way he works. So Nehemiah chapter 3 is a powerful story, but today we want to highlight two people. And uh, I don't know if we have the gift cards, D, in the back. Can you get the gift cards and stuff and the gifts? So the first person I uh, want to recognize, Emily, would you come up here for just a minute? And uh, so I know D is going crazy, man. We love D. She's on staff. D's helping put all this together. And she's, come up here. Don't worry about it. Or uh, so we made a little certificate, want to give you a gift. So I want to tell you about Emily. Um, I don't know if you've ever said no, which is one of the worst things you could ever do to a pastor. Well, we know she's going to say, come here, don't be shy, you know. Um, just, yeah, give her the gift. You know, it's for her. Um, so um, anyways, uh, we wanted to give Emily a gift. And what did, you, what did we get her? I, what did you get? Is it a massage? What did you get her? Oh, what did you get? A gift card. Oh, Amazon gift cards. All right. So, but we wanted to say uh, a thank you. And, and Emily, you're making a difference. Uh, Emily has served in our children's ministry since we started five years ago. And you're 21 now? Yeah. So you're 16. And she was 16 years old, came with, uh, she was part of a youth ministry that I was at, you know, at Bridgeways. And so uh, she came over here, helped launch the church and had been serving in our kids' ministry. Do you get paid here? No. And... Um, <laughs> So just wanted to clarify for the people, but, but she watches children every single Sunday and pretty much has for five years. And when we do community group events, you know, things like that, we've had special events, we've had different things. She's the one usually heading up all of our childcare and watching babies and children. And that's such a hard job. She's babysat, I know, for some of you and just helped you to, to go on dates and stuff like that. Um, she has served and built a wall for this church. No question, she's built a piece of the wall. And it's people like you that make this thing happen. And so do you set up and tear down for the church and kids help over there? She shows up during the week with Jessica and they do curriculum printing and stuff like that and get all your kids when they go home with their little parent cue things and stuff like that. Don't just throw that away. She's having to cut that stuff at the office, and she, her and Jessica put it all together and all the crafts and supplies. Then you go shopping throughout the week to buy supplies and make sure everything's are in order, and you're holding babies throughout the week. I mean, it's just incredible. And you drive from Wesley Chapel to make this happen, and you have for five years. So, you know... Yeah, are you are you wealthy that you have a ton of money that you can just use the gas? No, right? Yeah, and so so I mean, there's been times I know it. We've had to give you gas card just to get here, but she wakes up earlier than probably many of us and drives the trip over here 40 minutes away or so. I'm guessing and drives over here every Sunday to watch your children so that you can sit here and worship. I'm just saying to you, without people like you. Man, we wouldn't be able to build the wall that God's building here. So thank you for building the piece of the wall we need you to build. And so you're making a difference. So we wanted to give you a certificate that just says making a difference. And uh, we realize it's just a piece of paper, but you're making a difference. And we wanted you to know that today. 
So thank you for making a difference. Appreciate it. Amen. All right. You can go back and watch children because without you, we don't know what's happening over there. So we need you. Run. Hurry. Uh, but today, uh, even, this is how practical it is. I need you to know this. This is so important for you. Just, oh, I didn't think of that. But today, when you're, you know, we're riding a bowl and having some food, hanging out, uh, we're providing child care for you, by the way, parents, for zero through kindergarten. They're going to stay over there and provide the child care so that you can meet people. In the Tuesday staff meeting conversation, we were having some conversation uh, with Emily as well and Jessica and some others, but we said we wanted you to be able to have a chance to meet new people and talk and hang out. So let's honor them, meet some people, meet some next to them, meet some friends, hang out with people a little bit because you've got people watching your children so you can do that. Uh, for the first and fifth graders, uh, we're going to bring in. So parents, we're going to ask you to get your first through fifth grader, uh, allow them to come in here, eat some food with us, and, and they might be able to ride, you know, the bull, have some fun, or at least laugh at you as a parent when you get on there. Uh, but anyway, so if you're a first through fifth grade child, bring them in here with you. But uh, zero through kindergarten, we're going to leave. They have a bounce house and stuff, and they're going to have some food, and they're going to have some fun. So they'll be taken care of. Just want you to know so you can leave them in there. I'm good with that. I love child care, so I'm, I'm a fan of that. Uh, amen. So, uh, but anyways, without Emily, you don't get a chance to just to breathe for a minute and meet some people. That's all I'm saying to you. She's making a difference. The second person you want to acknowledge is somebody who's going to be like, probably like the most shocked person in the room. Like, why in the world are y'all doing this? They're probably thinking to themselves, oh, no, 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 not me. It can't be me. Yes, it's you, Brian. Would you come up here for just a minute? Yeah, you. I knew it. He's like, what? What? I... Are you surprised? He said, are you serious? Come over here, man. Yeah, get in the light so people can see your face. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's a gift card for you. Is it? Dinner. Oh, yeah. Like a dinner date. So you can go on a date to dinner, wherever, wherever the gift card's to you. Yeah, man. Well, you're so polite. Thanks, man. Here, get in the light because you're in the dark. No, no, get in the light. Let's get up. So here's the thing uh, about Brian. This is Brian Beaumont, everybody, by the way. And uh, been a part of our church for five years. I mean, as far as I can remember, church planning it. Um, Brian plays drums for us. And I can't tell you how important. I mean, I play drums for a church, Brian, and it's, a, it's the backbeat of the band. And without a drummer hitting the snare drum, the people have no, they have no clue when to clap. That's <laughs> what's really true. They still don't sometimes. And... Uh, like, we're, we're like, what is it? So he's the one that helps you clap, and because you need to be clapping. By the way, anyways, it's a whole different conversation. But the point is, is that Brian, it's instrumental what you do. Um, That's a pun, but it's. Yeah, I know. The point is, is that it's it's so important what you do, and here's what we felt like God wanted to say to you today: You have a home here. You're not here just to play drums. You've helped build the church. And it may not feel like it because you're back there playing drums, but you live in Tampa, New Tampa area, right, I think? So another 45-minute drive. So a 45-minute drive, and you have to be here at 7.30, I'm guessing, or so, to help set up and practice and all of that. And you've been doing it for five years. And I know for Andrews and the band, 
many times where we didn't have a drummer. We have one drummer. You know, we need you to show up, and that weight is put on your shoulders, and you know if I don't get there, no one will, will so you show up faithfully. You've been doing it for five years. And what we wanted to tell you is this is your church home. Don't feel like you don't have a church home. You're not here just to be our drummer. You're part of our church family. We love you. Seriously, cannot do it without you. Thank you, man, for being faithful, showing up, practicing, making it work, playing drums for us, being consistent, keeping a good tempo. Thank you. Can we just thank Brian? Yeah. You're good. You, I, I told you, if I, this person looks so surprised. Like you're, man, it's such a humble spirit. Brian, we love you, man. Thanks, man. Seriously. Thank you. You're making a difference, man. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy when you're the band, but it, you think, you know, I'm just playing drums. No, man, you're building the kingdom. Without drums and the worship and all of that goes into it and all that happens, and every time people sing, it's because of someone like you stepping up and just filling a spot. And that's a huge thing. You're making a difference, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Hey, well, listen, I wanted to say thank you. And I know we could do this all day, making a difference. If so many of you are making a difference. And so don't be offended if you didn't get the certificate today. Uh, we love you too. Uh, but uh, but just, just know that we're thanking you. We're so thankful for so many of you making a difference in our church. All right, we're going to eat some food. And uh, one more thing. I got a little announcement here. Oh, yeah. So two announcements left. Uh, the first one is, is, so what something we want to kind of transition us into the food and kind of hanging out is take your connection card. We need two things from you. Uh, on the connection card in the seat in front of you, I want you to do something because we're talking about it next to them. We want to get to know some of you. We want to get to know some of you. And the women's did this in their women's ministry. We thought it was so funny, so good. We thought we would bring it in today. So on your connection card, on the teal part, somewhere on the teal, okay? So not on the white card, but on the teal side, somewhere on the teal somewhere, I want you to write down two truths and a lie about yourself. Please do that. We want to get to know some of you. So take the teal card, take the pen, and write down two truths about yourself and a lie. And we're going to invite some of you to come up in a minute and share that with us because we just want to get to know some of you. And then the last thing we need you to do is on the white card, the connection card, we would love to use this kind of like a church data update kind of a thing. So if every single person just represent one family is fine, could fill out that connection card. It allows us to update our data stuff. So we make sure we have the right emails and phone numbers and things. So we would love every single one of you to fill out that connection card and turn it in. You can drop it in the give bin on the way out at some point today. Just go drop it in that bin. But if you fill that white card out now, the connection card, it allows us to update. Even if you think we have your correct information, please just fill it out anyway so that way we know. And uh, that, that allows us to make sure we checked you know, that box for us. So, two truths and a lie on the teal side, the white side, fill that out, turn it in uh, into the give bin. If you brought your tithes and offerings in, you can drop that off also as well. And then finally, we are having a competition with the bull riding today. We're going to open up for food and then bull riding. This, we got some giveaways, some gift cards, don't we, I think? I don't know what we have, but we have some gift cards. I know we do. And uh, I don't know what the gifts are, but they're probably nice $50 plus gift cards or something like that, date nights and something like that. So we're going to do it two ways. We're going to have a single person, like a, a single rider, like the longest ride, and then we're going to do the longest couple. So if you want to go on, is Dee in here? Is she back there working? She is? Okay. 
Uh, we have a gift cards for the couples, right? For the bull riding thing. Just yeah, we do. Okay. So the longest couple. So spouses, here's the thing. And we're going to add up your numbers uh, together. And the couple that stays on the longest gets the date night gift cards, okay? So play for the date night. So that means you both have to get on and make that happen. You cannot, men, you can't take her spot. So it has to be, uh, if you're a married couple, okay, or, you know, engaged at least, I guess, if, if you ride together, then we'll time it together, and then you guys could win that, all right? So then we have the single rider, longest ride. So I know they're getting all the food ready. Uh, those are my announcements. Don't forget to have a next to them. So we got two truths and a lie. We have we have that going. Two truths and a lie. Who's got their two truths and a lie down? Come on, I'm just gonna call you out. Don, did you fill it out? Yeah, perfect. I knew you did. See, you didn't raise your hand either. And you're an elder of this church. No, no, no. All right. Was he? Was, you were checking with her if you can share that. Oh, 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 oh. All right, Don, let's come here. Come up here, Don. This is Don, one of our elders in our church. We're going to get to know you, man. All right, so we're going we're gonna to let them set the food out, but I want you to just read to everybody two truths and a lie, and then we'll just take a little guess here, and then you can get to know Don a little bit. So tell us the two truths and a lie. Yeah. All right, mine are really simple here. Uh, first is that I am a father of three girls, and uh, that is why I have uh, the bit of hair that I do have left, uh, I have at this moment, but uh, as they get older, I will get rid of that too. So father of three girls, uh, we have four dogs in our home, and we went to Greece for our honeymoon. So, yes, father of three girls, we have four dogs, and we went to Greece for our honeymoon. Don't have the four dogs, correct. We have four cats, correct. <laughs> But you still, you know, I was going to ask everybody to vote, you know, but, you, but Phil already knew that one. That's okay. That's established the rules. All right, somebody else. Two truths and a lie. Come up here. Yeah, it's great. Remind me of your name again. I've not met you last time. What is it again? No more. That's right. Come here, no more. This is no more, everyone. All right, come here, no more. Tell us two truths and a lie. Okay? All right, go for it. I worked as a private chef in Chicago for 23 years. I studied dance at the Chicago Ballet. I lived in Italy, Italy for five years. I worked as a private chef for 23 years in Chicago. I studied dance at the Chicago Ballet. I lived in Italy for five years. How many would say he's lying that he was not a chef? How about that he did not do the ballet in, at the study? You do not believe that. You do believe that. Okay, we're trying to figure what the lie is. How many? The last one. What was the last one again? I lived in Italy. He lived in Italy for five years. How many of you guys think that he's lying about that? You think Nomar's a liar? <laughs> checked out, man. All right, tell us the, tell us the lie. I lived in Italy for five years. That's good. I actually believed you. I can't believe you. All right, let's get one more. Somebody else. All right, come up. Marcy, come up. Is that you? Raise your hand. All right, come here, Marcy. This is my mother-in-law, Marcy. Now she, is, she is probably the worst liar in the world, so this is... Have you ever even told a lie? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay, um, I went skydiving with my daughter 
for her 21st birthday. I will be 71 on Thursday. And I love olives. You know. She hates olives. <laughs> she hates olives. Yeah, that's too easy. All right, let's get somebody else. Anybody else come up here for a second? Don't have to call in your name? Come on. All right. Come here, Hyro. Hyro, come here. Yeah, you, didn't, you didn't even participate in the game? All right, come here. I got something else I want you to share. Come here, Hyro. I went out to dinner with Hyro this past... Come here, man. I told you I was going to call on you to share this testimony. So we're sitting at dinner the other night, and Hyro's like, man, you know how you asked people about the testimonies last week? I'm like, yeah. He goes, man, it's been cool. And he starts sharing with me what God has been doing through this fast. And I said, why didn't you say anything? And he's like, ah, I just don't know how to say it. I said, well, you just say it the way you just told me. So here you go. Well, hello, you are. I'm, my name's Hyro. Um, I did share with the pastor. Okay, there you go. Um, so... And this fast, um, because of my job so fast-paced, I, I couldn't do food. I can't fast food. Um, I need breakfast. I need my break and lunch. So talking to my wife, I, I, I didn't know what to fast and what to, uh, what to do. But um, so I think that was Sunday. And Monday, it kind of dawned on me. And I was like, you know what? As I was listening to my radio, I was, I'm a 41-year-old kid from Queens. I love hip-hop. Um, but... I think so that that hit me. I was like, you know what? I could uh, cut off uh, or fast secular music. So I did that. I prayed about it. And so, yeah, I prayed about it. And then I did it. And since the fast, I stopped stopped listening to secular music. Um, I've been putting out praise and worship, you know, on my way to work. Um, I'm an electrical technician, so I'm like working from job site to job site or, you know, school to school. So that's what I've been listening to. Um, but since then, um, a lot of things have been happening, a lot of great things have been happening at home. Um, my mindset's kind of changing a little bit, or a lot. And, but the most significant thing was uh, at work, about a week and a half ago, they pulled me in and they gave me a significant raise, which is amazing, because they give it to us in the beginning of the year, which I got, but you know, they just pulled me in the office and they just said, you know, we've noticed uh, a difference in you, we just uh, appreciate you and everything that you do for us. And yeah, they gave me a pretty good raise, and you know, so I can't complain. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I just encourage everybody to keep on with your with your fast and to pray. I'm praying for all you guys, so hope you do the same. But thank you, Ricky, for yeah, putting man. me on the spot. <laughs> But I mean, it's such a practical testimony because it's like, you know, I'm not fasted food. I'm just fasted secular music, you know. And uh, anyways, what's was funny, we went on the date night. We went axe throwing, and they're playing, like, rap music. And he was like, dude, every song that came on, he's like, you know, he's doing his thing. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. Fell into temptation, didn't you? You know, so... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, but it's just so practical how you're fasting and praying and then, you know, God's kind of answering him, you know, and it, for him, maybe through a promotion or through raises or different things, but it's fantastic. All right, one more truth and a lie, and then we're doing the food. One more. All right. Come on up, man. This is Timothy, everybody. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no. Yeah, that was like, man. I will be next to you. If they won't be a next to them, I will be the next to you, okay? All right, Timothy, here you go. I was a roughneck on a drilling rig. I broke my arm in a motorcycle accident, 
and I jumped over two large trash cans in high school. Like the, like the big ones, like those right there. All right, say it one more time. Was a roughneck on a drilling rig. Broke my arm in a motorcycle accident. Jumped over two large trash cans in a row on, in high school. Yeah, I, I broke my foot in a motorcycle accident. Man, you guys are good picking up on lies. I don't know if I can do this fast. Um, all right, I'll try. I'll see. Um, let's see here. I've been married uh, 12 years. I was in a movie with Al Pacino. And uh, I pastor a church. <laughs> pastor a church. <laughs> You're not a pastor. Not even close. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, I pastor a church. I was in a movie with Al Pacino. I've been married 12 years. What? Al Pacino? How many of you guys think that I was in a movie with Al Pacino? How many do not believe I was in a movie with Al Pacino? Okay. You're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, look it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been married. Yeah, how long have I been married, Steve, you said? 13 years. Yeah, I'm going to my 14th year, so that was a lot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I got to be, I was just an extra, but I got to hang out with Jamie Foxx and Al Pacino and... Uh, um, movie called Any Given Sunday. You know, a football movie? Yeah, they filmed it out of Dallas, and I was living in Dallas at the time, so I just got to, I was like an extra, I was just making extra money. So me and my friend went, and we got the parts, and then I got picked out of the crowd to like hang out all night, and uh, so yeah. But I'm not really like hanging out with Al Pacino, I just, I was close to him. <laughs> you know. They actually, yeah, I was next to him. They actually golf carted him back because they had to keep reshooting this scene. It was all night long. And they would golf cart him all the way back to, like, the starting point. And then Jamie Foxx had to, like, walk the whole football field. And it was just funny because Al Pacino would sit there and he'd wait. And then Jamie Foxx would walk. And then they'd get him over. And then they'd golf cart Al back. But then Jamie Foxx had to walk. It was just a funny process. That's a true story. Any given Sunday. So you can't really see my face in it. But at the very end of the movie, there's, like, these janitors. And I was playing a janitor cleaning up the football field after the game was over. And... Um, from a sky con, from a sky shot, you can I can go like, oh, that's me. That's it. True story. All right, let's pray for the food. Jesus, thank you for barbecue. We thank you for this meal. Father, help us, Lord, today to to learn uh, what it is to be next to one another. Father, thank you for allowing us to do life with each other. Thank you for this church, for this family, for this body. Lord, we pray that you bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen.